Another awesome week of NXT. Another podcast that starts off with me saying I'm fucking tired. Let's talk about it. Never really occurred to me until just now the fact that I'm recording this at stupid o'clock in the morning and the people that are watching this on Premiere are watching it sort of like mid-afternoon. So me always talking about how tired I am must be ridiculous. And for those of you listening in a recorded form or in a podcast form later on, which I will get to in the plugs as we do, um, it must sound funny to you guys as well, but it's a legitimate 20 to 11 here, which is fine. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be somebody that's working though, so <laughs> not a shot at the people that are, are, are out there and not working because the ongoing global bastard is still a thing and I still can't get a haircut. But um, yeah, it's always a really, really interesting thing to start off the uh, podcast telling you guys how tired I am because if it sounds like an apology in advance, it's because it is an apology in advance. So uh, Stick with my tired ass and we will talk about NXT. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy. It's your Pass Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your NXT review for May 11th, 2021. Let's do the house cleaning first. And the house cleaning is really just random bits of, of news that I want to touch on before we get into NXT. First one is hilarious to me, and that's how twisted up people are getting about the return of Eva Marie and the return of Jinder Mahal. Just know, I don't have anything to back that up with. I don't have anything to, uh, I don't have anything to say about it other than all of you that are losing your minds about it make me chuckle. It makes me think of the 18 seconds thing with Seamus and Daniel Bryan and how I would relentlessly make fun of Delex Man because he, you knew he was burning half of Texas down. Moving on, let's get into some brighter, some brighter stuff. They made the announcement earlier today that we have the date for the next NXT TakeOver, and it is not only NXT TakeOver, it's not only taking place Sunday, June 13th, which is not that far away, let's be real, it's about a month away, but they're bringing back In Your House, so it's NXT TakeOver In Your House 2021, and going into the show, I uh, I really had a lot of predictions as to what would be on that card based on what's going on in, in the current day and the current model. But, uh, spoiler alert, a couple of the matches that I thought were going to go on that card were getting in the next two weeks instead. So it really makes me wonder, at this point in time, at 20 to 11, on May 11th, when we are about a month out from the pay-per-view, what's going to go on that pay-per-view? Intriguing, is it not? Um... I like In Your House last year. In Your House last year was more of a necessity. We needed something to distract us from the early scary days of the ongoing Global Bastard. But now that they've moved from Full Sail to the CWC and uh, they've got a little bit more freedom in there, obviously, because it's their building. And the CWC is a different atmosphere than Full Sail. Not saying better, not saying worse, just saying different. I'm really intrigued to see what they can do with all the, all the things that made uh, In Your House what it is. I had a thought, and I shared it on Twitter earlier today. I'm going to share it with you guys now. Um, NXT doesn't really have any signature pay-per-views other than War Games. Now, if you look at the main roster, let's really try to not look at the main roster right now. It's it's very, very sad. There's a pay-per-view coming up. Do you even care? No, you don't. But the main roster has the big four. Used to be the big five. We don't have King of the Ring anymore. We'll cry about that another day. Would it not be a decent development for NXT to have the big Three, could you have in your house, uh, on a personal note, I will say Halloween Havoc and War Games. In your house, Halloween Havoc, War Games, and everything else is just t 
take over wherever we ended up when we can actually go places. I know Florida's crazy, but we don't just want it to be take over, hey, this different part of Florida. Uh, NXT TakeOver Daily's place would be hysterical. Speaking of places not in Florida, have you heard the rumor about SummerSlam? I don't know who, who uh, announced this first. WWE has not announced it. It's just a rumor at this point. But the SummerSlam rumor that, uh, obviously, SummerSlam is not going to be happening in a, in a Thunderdome scenario, which is great. I mean, after WrestleMania had crowds, you would assume that SummerSlam would have crowds, but apparently they're going back to Madison Square Garden. Now, there's two points to this. A, I kind of want to know how that happened, because I thought they left Madison Square Garden because there's some ridiculous, it costs a whole lot to do TV from here thing going on. That's why they went to the Barclay Center, and the Barclay Center's awesome as well. I would love, I would love to go see a takeover at the Barclay Center, I'm not going to lie. But, um, yeah. Coming out of COVID, um, coming out of the ongoing global situation, and I know America's in a different situation than I am up here in Canada, we're still fucked. Thanks for asking. Um, Madison Square Garden, for as long as we haven't seen it at, for televised shows, I can't believe they did house shows at Madison Square Garden a couple years ago, but everything that anybody does, and I, I, I don't care who it is, I don't care if we all use the exact same moniker for this, I don't care if NJPW wants to do it, I don't care if Impact wants to do it, I don't care if AEW wants to do it, I don't care if WWE wants to do it, I don't care if NXT wants to do it, I don't care if MLW, anybody else you want to, I don't care if my, my, my hometown guys over here, Destiny, want to do it. Every single show that a company does for the first time in front of crowds or for the first time after COVID is, you know, kind of quote unquote over is kind of going to be like homecoming. And yes, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, metaphor that I could make there or a pun I could make there because, uh, that was the, the, the Spider-Man, the homecoming far from home thing, but everything as we're able to get out there and actually do stuff is going to have sort of a homecoming feel to it. So if they want to call this SummerSlam homecoming or, you know, the fans come home or whatever the case may be, there is something sentimental about doing something like that in Madison Square Garden, which was the unofficial home of all pro wrestling for so long, especially if you're, if you're a WWE fan. Now, I, I don't know if this is true. This is just a rumor, but I, it just grabbed my attention and I thought, A, that means a crowd. B, that means they're venturing outside of Florida. C, look at the history of Madison Square Garden. Wouldn't it just be good? Now, we can say everything we want to say. SummerSlam will probably be terrible. Look at what's happening at WrestleMania Backlash on Sunday, like I said. Um, but I just, it's... It hit me. It hit me in the soul. Like it, it, I took my analysis hat off for a second. Okay, we're not going to do that because the hair is still terrible. And it just it it felt good, even though it's just a rumor. It felt good. Does that make any sense? Am I just being ridiculously optimistic, ridiculously sentimental, ridiculously sentimistic? Is that? I'm very tired. I warned you. Um, I'm not going to lie. If the day comes where they do NXT Takeover MSG, um. I will probably fly to the States. I will probably fly to New York. Uh, it's on my bucket list to see a wrestling show. And I don't even care. I don't care if it is a house show. It is on my bucket list to see a wrestling show in Madison Square Garden. So if my brand does my brand of pay-per-view, which in this case is TakeOver, if there is ever TakeOver Madison Square Garden, I am going. I'm going. I will get my, my, my vaccine visa or whatever the fuck I have to get, and I will go. 
Speaking of the pay-per-view this Sunday, or more importantly, not speaking of the pay-per-view this Sunday, um, initially, Jake and I had planned to sit down and do a, another topical video earlier in the week that would have gone, that would have gone on YouTube, would have gone live on YouTube right before this week's episode of NXT. Now, unfortunately, that couldn't happen. Schedules are what they are. We had also planned to get together later on in the week and do a preview for WrestleMania Backlash, which is terrible. It just is. So we're going to use that time, that time that we would have spent on a take, on a, on a, uh, uh, preview, a uh, get hyped, uh, as you guys know on this channel, and we are going to do the other fun thing. And no, I'm not going to tell you what the fun thing is in case it doesn't happen. But uh, hopefully, after SmackDown this Friday, there's going to be a video going up on this channel with myself, with Jake, uh, that is a lot more fun and a lot more interesting, a lot more engaging, and a lot more give a shit worthy, I guess is the thing, than me predicting backlash with Jake and us trying to scrape some care out of the bottom of the bucket. Anyways, what does it say next on my thing? It says, plug the social... Holy crap, I've been talking for eight minutes already. Twitter, at SpazPhoenix, at SpazPhoenix1, Instagram, at SpazPhoenix. Go to Facebook, find the Phoenix Podcast Facebook group. If you're watching me right here, right now, on, uh, on YouTube, and you want to see the pretty sexy face in the gimmick hat, you want to find me in an audio platform, you want to go to any one of your podcasting platforms and search Spaz Phoenix Podcast. If you're listening to this in an audio right now and you don't know how ridiculous I look, you can't see the pretty sexy face and you can't see the gimmick hat, go to YouTube, search Spaz Phoenix, and please, if you're watching me on YouTube, you guys know I passed a, a moderate, sort of humble little milestone not too long ago, but they still tell me in all my YouTubeisms that, you know, I, they don't think anybody's watching because there's nothing in the comment section. So please put something in the comment section, even if it's just, hey, I put something in the comment section. Now, I've rambled. That was a lot of ramble. That was a bramble of ramble, was it not? Let's talk about NXT because there's a lot to talk about. Going into this show, we knew we were getting a two out of three falls match for the uh, Cruiserweight Championship. We knew we were getting a women's uh, championship match between Martinez and Gonzalez. We knew, or we thought, we were getting Alexander Wolfe versus Killian Dane. Now, they announced during the show and on Twitter that uh, Alexander Wolfe wasn't cleared because of stomach bug issues. Now, I hope that's not true, but again, if it's part of the storyline, they didn't do anything with it on the show. Uh, Drake Maverick's posting all kinds of conspiracy theories on... Uh, on on uh, Twitter, so I don't quite know what they're doing with that. I really, really, really wish I could care about the whole Imperium thing. I just don't. And here's the thing. I like Drake Maverick in his lane. I like Killian Dane as a monster, because when he was a monster, he was cool. Imperium, without Walter, is, is bad. They're great wrestlers, uh, or at least the two of them are. Marcel Barthel and Fabian Eichner are great wrestlers that I wish I gave a shit about. Alexander Wolfe, I don't know what Alexander Wolfe is these days. Um, Imperium matters. Imperium matters when Walter is there, and Walter's not there. So you've got a faction here without its leader, which is the focal point, and you've got two guys that I like on the other side, but I like them separately. Together, you get sort of that Team Hell No thing, and then Deluxe Man yells at me in the comment section. Moving on. So we didn't get any of that, but we got that news given to us over the course of, uh, over the course of the night. There was a lot of news. There was a lot of information. There was stuff on this show that was great, but there was also a lot of information to take in on this show. We got sort of an exposition dump, as uh, some people say in a movie, when, uh, when, a when a villain monologues too much, it's just an exposition dump. NXT 
in between all the kick-ass wrestling, gave us a bit of an exposition dump. Tonight, we got a recap to start off the show, recapping the way, winning the tag team titles last week, which was awesome. Uh, Shotzi and Ember are going to recover. Look at how much fucking merch they've got as a tag team. It's fine. We recap Kushida winning Escobar's Cruiserweight Championship a while ago during the Open Challenge, and we hype up their match tonight. We hype up tonight's women's match, which is great, and we recap Gargano and Theory jumping Karrion Cross last week to send us into... The first match, no opening promo, no nothing, uh, no warming up in the bullpen, as they say. I'm coming out with the cliches tonight, am I not? Um, but we start the show proper with a match, and we start the show proper with Karrion Cross getting an entrance, but Gargano and Theory are already in the ring. It's fine. Theory shits his pants while Karrion <laughs> Cross is making his entrance. Gargano's being his hype man on the outside, trying to push him towards the ring. He gives him, gives him the old, you miss all the shots that you don't take, which is fine. Uh, getting into the match itself, I thought that Theory was just going to get killed. And they actually, for, a, for a, a guy that came out on the losing end of the match, and I know this is fine for some people because you're not allowed to like Austin Theory because you guys are all sheep and you've fallen into the agenda. It's fine. Um, but for a guy that lost, he actually looked really good in this match. A little too good, considering he's going up against the unstoppable monster NXT champion. But I like Austin Theory, so it's fine. A few forearms and knees by Theory and a dropkick. Cross brushes it off like it's absolutely nothing, which is hilarious. Boot in the corner by Cross and a toss by the head. It's hysterical when you get somebody as animated as Austin Theory and, as, and with the comedic timing of Austin Theory when he gets picked up literally by the sides of his head and his ears and just gets chucked across the ring. A choke on the ropes by Cross. Cross teases letting Theory go outside the ring to Gargano for some help and then just hits him in the face with a knee, which is nice. High knee by Theory. Overhead toss by Cross. That rhymes. Uh... Theory rakes the eyes and gets a good, decent amount of offense while Karrion Cross is blind. Uh, Cross eats the plexi on the outside. There's a DDT on the floor by Theory. Cross eats the post and a knee and some mounted punches by Theory. Chaos Theory drop kick by Theory. Uh, I can't read my own writing. It's fine. Clothesline and a fallaway slam, but Karrion Cross sort of shakes off being blinded. Doomsday Saito, Doomsday Saito, Hidden Blade, Corner Beatdown, Cross Jacket, an unconscious theory loses the match and Cross gets the win. Um, while all this was going on, we also got a graphic popping up in the corner confirming that uh, Bronson Reed's rematch for the North American Championship will happen next week and we will build more on that story later on in the night. As the way are making their escape, they're making their way out of the ringside area. Yes, I, I just did that. Finn Balor appears behind Karrion Cross like Karrion Cross did not too long ago. He says, I'm not waiting in line. I'm not competing with, uh, you know, this person or that person. I'm not fighting for my spot. I want my rematch. Cross wants it too. They sort of have a, a gentleman's agreement in the middle of the ring, and it is what it is. Now, as I say, when they announced take over in your house, I figure, okay, they're going to do the rematch. When these guys have sort of like their gentleman's agreement in the ring, they agree to have the rematch. I figure, okay... That's going to be the main event of TakeOver in Your House. We will get to that when we get to it. We see in the back Kushida and Raquel, the respective champions, arriving at the arena because why would you show up before the show? Anyways, we see footage that has been going all over social media about Leon Ruff freaking out in William Regal's office that he wasn't allowed to compete tonight because William Regal's worried about his health and well-being even though he's got his medical clearance, he's worried about his health and well-being after the big uh, brawl that he had last week with uh, with Isaiah Swerve Scott, where we got introduced to Isaiah Swerve Scott's crew, who we're going to talk about later. And Ruff just smashes all the stuff on Regal's desk and goes out, which is fine. MSK versus Breezango. Two teams that I like, two teams that are babyfaces. Figured 
that we were this was just going to be a setup for some more interference. It's like okay, they're both baby faces. They don't really have a reason to be to be facing each other, and they have fought each other, you know, recently. It's not it's not getting to repetitive areas, but they have fought. So it's the cliche. If you watch too much regular uh, mainstream WWE, you're like okay. These guys don't really have any reason to be fighting, and they fought a couple times before. Who's going to run in? There's going to be some bullshit, but there actually wasn't. It was really good. Uh, Lee and Lee and Breeze start the match. I can't talk tonight because I'm tired. It's fine. Uh, Lee and Breeze start the match with a collar and double tap, arm drag by Breeze, a shoulder tackle by Lee. Each one tries for a super kick, and they kick each other in the foot, which is a decent spot. It's uh, it's one of those things where both of the feet sort of go the other way, but like they actually hit each other's feet. Which is kind of, I, I don't know, I don't want to say impressive, because that's the wrong word, but it's sort of, you never see that actually work. And it actually worked here. Uh, arm drag by Carter, there's an arm drag by Fandango to follow. Anything you can do, I can do better. Drop kick by Carter, Breezango knockheads as they're doing like the over, under, drop down, leapfrog thing. But they get into it, and I can't really describe this properly, but they leapfrog, drop, drop down, whatever. Their opponents leapfrog, jump down, and uh, leapfrog over. And then the referee gets involved, because he gets uh, almost run into, so he drops down, and then he does a leapfrog over. And it's just a really funny spot, and all the wrestlers in the ring and the referee are like, what the hell just happened? It was an, it was an interesting comedy spot, and I didn't expect it. It sort of came out of nowhere, which is fine. And it was a very odd way to send us into the commercial break, because coming back from the commercial break, you're going to have to assume that the... Uh, that uh, the show rolls on, will you not? Insiguri by Lee as we come back from the commercial break. Uh, corner Exploder by Fandango, Falcon Arrow by Fandango, and a Catapult by Breeze. Tandem kicks by MSK, and, and they do the weird shove moonsault thing. All four men pile into the ring. There's an Insiguri by Lee, a super kick by Breeze. Super kick by Breeze to a couple of people, actually. Uh, Carter knee strikes Fandango off the top rope to the floor, and then he hits a suicide moonsault on both members of Breezango, and then the powerbomb cutter combination for the win for MSK, because they're the champions. Obviously, they got the win. There's even a respectful handshake between the two teams after the match. Obviously, Breezango are still baby faces. They're still doing the respectful thing. They're, sh they're showing the frustration for the loss without showing heel tendencies, which is a really fine line to walk, especially for a team like theirs, because nobody thought they were going to be tag team champions. What was that? Last year, beginning of this year? And then they were, and then it didn't last very long. So you got to believe in the back of their minds they want to get it back. I have the feeling that we're going towards MSK versus Legato, which is fine. Legato, once they become champions... You gotta believe Brizango is gonna be in their list of challengers. Not saying that they're gonna unseat them, but it is what it is. And then off mic, uh, MSK talking to Legato del Fantasma. Hey, Legato del Fantasma, after the promo they cut last week where everybody was holding up somebody else's belt, uh, you know, come on, come on out and find us. We're not hard to find, type thing. We go to the back, and Gargano's flipping out on William Regal about next week's match, and. Gargano says, you know, he's, he's doing typical Gargano stuff. Gargano and Regal have a uh, have a comedic timing between the two of them. That's absolutely awesome. And he basically says, you know, you're not treating me properly. You're not valuing me as a champion. And he's like, of course I value you as a champion. That's why That's why you're one of the main events of the show next week. We're marketing the show based on you. We even got you cool headbands. And then Gargano says, yeah, yeah, the, the headbands are kind of cool, which is, which is fine. We go to the commentators, and two things are happening there. They're making the announcement about In Your House, which is fine, and Everize are behind the plexi with an Everize R Live sign, which is fine. Um, Pete Dunne comes out, 
And he quickly calls out Karrion Cross for choosing Balor instead of him. He chose Balor to challenge him for the championship instead of me because he knows I'm the baddest. He keeps ducking me. How about everybody else in the back? Does anybody else want to step up? And I didn't know what was going to happen here. I thought we were going to get a, a Kyle O'Reilly thing, but I forgot that Kyle O'Reilly has something to do later on in the night. But it's Leon Ruff. Which is fine, because this is two things that I wouldn't have thought of coming together absolutely perfectly. you got Leon Ruff, who's pissed off that he's not on the show, who's just looking for a fight. And you got Pete Dunne, who's calling out the entire locker room, and he's looking for a fight. This entirely works. Now, um, what's his name? Oni Lorcan is with Pete Dunne. Uh, which is what which is what led me to believe that uh, Kyle O'Reilly might get involved because as we're going to talk about later on they had a confrontation in the parking lot because it's the most dangerous place in the world. Basically, uh, Kyle O'Reilly's talking about why he's cool, Kyle O'Reilly, and he's the first time he's been himself in a while. And you know, Oni Lorcan's like, well, you can't beat Balor and you can't beat Cross, you can't even beat me. And they basically decide that they're going to have a match. Um, that's what's going to happen later on. But with Lorcan being out here, I thought he would be interrupted by uh, Kyle O'Reilly, and he could have done a really cool thing here, and now that I think of it, he could have done a really cool thing, it's like, hey, you know, your, your stooge over here called me out, but why don't I just fight you instead? I'm sure they're going to do that in the next couple of weeks, but Leon Ruff is almost the perfect guy to answer this, because he's the guy that's perpetually doing the small dog in the fight, always trying to prove himself. You know, he wanted to prove himself against Swerve. That didn't go so well. So here you want to put him up against somebody who is scary in a way. Now, I don't mean in the typical wrestling version of what's scary. Like, Pete Dunne's not super big, or he's not a... He's not a spooky bollocks wrestler. He's not the, he's not the demon. He's not the fiend. He's not scary like that. But if you... And again, I'm going to reach into my own uh, my own memory banks here from going to Destiny. Yes, check it off your Spice Phoenix bucket list. I've seen Pete Dunne do the do the joint manipulation, the uh, the slow expert submission stuff, the the body dissection type of wrestling that he does. I've seen it up close, and even though we know wrestling's fake, yes, 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 we know wrestling's fake. You, he's one of those wrestlers that you can watch and be like, okay, but how is that fake? And for Leon Ruff to stand up to him was a really, really cool thing. And, out of nowhere, we get Dunn versus Ruff. Which doesn't hurt my feelings. Uh, double leg beatdown by Dunn immediately. Sort of, everything he does is with this... Like, Pete Dunn usually has that shrug. Like, you know, he destroys somebody and then he has that cocky shrug to the crowd. Everything he done in this... Or sorry, everything he did in this match had the era of... Who the fuck are you? Why the fuck did you think this was a good idea? Double leg and a beatdown by Dunn, a round kick by Ruff. Dunn rolls into an armbar and he does the finger snap right away, nice and early. Chops by Ruff, which doesn't exactly sell the broken fingers, but we'll forgive it. Huge lariat by Dunn. Dunn bars both the arms and stomps the midsection, which is just turning him into a pretzel, isn't it? Dunn gets him up against the ropes, sort of at a, at a sideways angle, and he gives him a chop, but he gives him a chop to the jaw. And I just, it's, again, it's one of those things that you think might be a botch, but just, oh, speaking of botches, let's just talk about Humberto Carrillo killing himself and dropping Sheamus on his own leg, because that was a thing that happened, it didn't happen on NXT, thank God, but uh, yeah, injuries, injuries happen, injuries are real, let's not chop people in the jaw, chops in an insecurity by Ruff, because sort of anything you can do, I can do better, Lariat by Ruff, who gets punched out of midair by Dunn. Dunn fig puts him in a figure four headlock and beats him in the face. 
into submission. Now, I don't know whether he actually submitted or whether the referee called it off, but he does. He basically gets him in a figure four headlock and pounds the shit out of his face, which is kind of funny because it looks like he's punching himself in the dick. Um, Dunn snaps the fingers post-match just to remind you that he is an absolute asshole. I think it's kind of funny that Lorcan was there uh, in Dunn's corner, but he didn't even have to interfere. The, the tenuous connection between Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan, I, they, they do have to explain why that's still a thing. Because Pete Dunne has a loose association with Danny Burch because they both came from NXT UK. Now, Danny Burch is a tag team partner with Oni Lorcan when he's not away injured. And Pat McAfee was the leader of all these guys, and he's gone and fucked off and become a SmackDown commentator. So they will, at some point, have to explain why Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan are still a thing. I really don't want them... I really don't want them to be a tag team, and judging by what comes next, they might be, at least for one night, and at least for, possibly for one pay-per-view. Anyways, we go to the back, and Legado Del Fantasma are hyping up Escobar for his title match tonight, talking about, uh, you know, everything revolves around blood, gold, and championships, and he's about to be the two-time NXT Cruiserweight Champion, and he's going to be the, I believe it's the Emperor of Lucha Libre, which is nice and fine, because, you know what, it might be them high on their own bullshit, but at least they have a goal. It's not just, hey, the three of us are getting together because the three of us can, like, fuck some shit up. It's like, no, at least in their own... Uh, in their own narrative, in their own sarcastic, arrogant, ignorant narrative, they uh, everything they do is for the for the greater good, uh, to use the Seth Rollins term. But it's for the for the good of Lucha Libre, and I think there's something to that. Even if it's total bullshit, they're doing it for something, and we're gonna get into the tag team situation, and that's fine. Now, two things are happening in two weeks. Two, two, two's better than one. Frankie Monet is debuting, which is fine. We got a vignette for her and whatever. Then we threw back to commentary who said, yeah, yeah, we're getting a rematch between Balor and Cross, but we're not waiting until TakeOver in your house. We're giving it to you in two weeks on Tuesday on NXT television, which is great. You know what else is great? The NXT Women's Division. Have I mentioned how great the NXT Women's Division is? Let's talk about Raquel Gonzalez versus Mercedes Martinez. Now, I will say, it is a little bit odd, or it's a little bit off... Not off-putting, but it's a little off-kilter to me, because this is the first time in a long time that we've had a women's championship match in NXT where it wasn't the main event of the show. TakeOver is a bit of a different story. We all get that. There's a lot of title matches. There's a lot of main events to get through. But... It's the first time that they've put a women's championship match on NXT programming and not had it be the main event. So a little bit interesting. Uh, it does make Martinez look like a little bit of a, of a filler, which is not exactly the greatest because she's good and she can do things, keep her away from Robert Stonebrand. They've got their own girls there now. But it is worth noting, and it is worth noting when you compare to other companies. And I'm not specifically digging, I'm not specifically digging AEW this time around because WWE's not even been that great with it recently either. But to say that this is the first time in a long time that the women's championship has not been the main event when it's been defended, it uh, it does go for something. It does show you how out of the ordinary it is for them not to be treated like the main event, which is kind of good. Both women trade shots early on. There's an apron cannonball by Martinez and Gonzalez eats, or sorry, Gonzalez eats the plexi hard as they brawl into commercial break. Lariat by Gonzalez, a corner splash and a power slam, a rear choke by Gonzalez, a double leg by Martinez, and uh, both the ladies trade some punches all over the ring. Sleeper by Martinez, a forearm and a suspension neckbreaker. She does, she looks like she's going to do the Orton suspended DDT thing, except she's doing it from the top rope, and she turns it into a neckbreaker instead, which looks a lot better than the suspension DDT, I'm not going to lie. 
inverted powerbomb style hangman by Gonzalez. So basically she got her up in powerbomb position, but instead of dropping her down, dropped her backwards on into a hangman on the top rope, which is nice. And then she goes to the outside to meet her and javelins her into the ring post. Now, I will say, from the way it was shot, I don't know what they were going for with the javelin spot, because I don't know whether it was supposed to be a headshot or whether it was supposed to be working on her shoulder. Either way, not a good way to spend a Tuesday night. Jawbreaker by Martinez and stomps and uppercuts a backbreaker by Gonzalez and knee strike by Martinez, a fisherman buster by Martinez, a big boot by Gonzalez, and that one-arm bomb thing that she does gets the win. Nice, easy first retention for Raquel Gonzalez and her NXT Women's Championship. Again, I got to go uh, back to what I said with Pete Dunne. Nice to see that they have their respective sidekicks on the outside. Dakota Kai was out there. I think she tried to be a distraction at one point, but she didn't get involved. She didn't toss in a weapon. She didn't get in a cheap shot that I, that I recall anyway. So she's there. She's cheering on her friend. Like he Heels are still moving in numbers, because that's what heels do. But the heels are getting it done on their own, which is a really, really nice thing to see. Not every not every heel has to be a chicken shit heel. It's good. Uh, we go to the back where Gargano and Theory are seen leaving uh, Bronson Reed's... Uh, why can't I think of words? Locker room. Um, you know, people are trying to help him out. You're just the big, don't help me, I'm a big guy. and uh, I'm going to get him, and I'm going to get him next week, and all this sort of thing. Now... I couldn't tell you everything that happened in the next promo because I'm not I am not somebody that speaks and delivers in the style that the promo was given. So I'm simply going to say that Swerve came out with his new uh, crew of people that was introduced last week, his new faction or whatever. He said, you know, I've made mistakes in NXT. Uh, the biggest mistake I ever made was being somebody that I was not. Swerve confident was, was nothing. You know, whose house, Swerve's house was a stupid phrase. I started thinking about more people that, that uh, look and talk and sound and think like me. And he introduces all the different... Uh, people in his group. Ashanti the Adonis is still Ashanti the Adonis. The other big fella that caught uh, Leon Ruff last week has been renamed Top Dollar because he makes Top Dollar everywhere he's been, whatever. And the girl's name is B-Fab. So do with that what you will. I, I will say, um, and I say this without sarcasm, without trying to make fun of anybody, without uh, anything like that, the amount of actual swagger that this group came to the ring with, cut their promo with, and just, they they were a full presence in the ring. There was only four people, but they filled the ring with, with, with character and the way they presented themselves. And they... I used to hear this expression all the time. It's like, you know, don't make yourself small because other people can't hand, handle you at your full size, like personality-wise. Uh, that's one of those things like motivational people will tell you, like, take up all your space. And these guys, as characters, took up all their space immediately. Ashanti the Adonis, we hardly saw at all. This guy, top dollar, we saw for the first time last week. As far as I know, somebody correct me down in the box below. If I'm wrong, then YouTube can stop telling me that people don't comment on my videos. Uh, B-Fab is, is a name that's going to get made fun of, is it not? Like, we're coming not too far off the back of, you know, Mace and T-Bar and, and, uh, and Slapjack and Reckoning and... Apparently, uh, Mia Yim's going to SmackDown and actually gets to be Mia Yim. That's kind of cool. Um, but no, presentation was great. The no, no pun intended, the confidence in what they were doing was great. He came out to his old music, and then he stopped, and then the lights went out, 
and then the faction's new music came up as the rest of them joined him. And I thought that that's a very, very small presentation, like, uh, part of the package thing. But to say, here I am, here we are. That's, that's something that's going to go under the radar from a lot of people, but I thought that was a really cool way to do it. Um, we have another... We have another Cameron Grimes thing. He's at an auction. He's bidding on a house. Uh, he bids like eight million for it or something like that. And Ted DiBiase comes along and bids like twenty billion, and he freaks out. This stuff. I know a lot of people love it, and I love Shotzi Blackheart and her tank. And people don't get that, so I'm I'm leaving this out here on the table for everybody that likes it. It's it's jump the shark for me, guys. It has I. It's one of those things that the people that do like it, I still see it. I still see what they're doing. It's it's watching a heel lose his shit and watching a heel keep trying and keep losing his shit. And there's there's a comedic value to that. Johnny Gargano is very good at it. Austin Theory is very good at it. Cameron Grimes is hit or miss with it, but I see what it is. And I like I say, I want to leave it out there on the table without judgment for the people that are enjoying it because I know there's a lot of things that I enjoy that people would say the same thing about. But for me, it's it's further and further and further not for me if that if that makes any sense at all it's it's not my cup of tea i think it's jump the shark but who knows it'll be fine a lot of people are speculating that this is going to bring in ted dibiase jr for a match i don't know what that does for nxt a lot of people have speculated i think i said this last week that we're going to get the return of the million dollar championship now if cameron grimes gets crowned as the nxt million dollar champion I, I'll have to see. I'll have to see how it goes. We see a video package on the feud that's developing between Tony Storm and Zoe Stark, which is good. They're going to have a match next week, which is fine. Kyle O'Reilly and Oni Lorcan then have a match, which means Pete Dunne's back out in the ring again. Uh, they replayed the show, the uh, showdown in the parking lot, which was all over social media before the show started. I've already mentioned it. They basically. Had a had, had sort of a caddy exchange of words, you know. Oh, you think you can beat all these people, all these champions? Well, you can't even beat me. Okay, cool. So it's uh, I can speak. I swear. Only Lorcan versus Cool Kyle O'Reilly. Lorcan works the arm. There's a collar and up. I will say, as much as I'm making fun of it, and as much as I wasn't in, as into this match as I thought it was, both of these guys can wrestle the fuck out of each other, can they not? If Only Lorcan sort of existed on his own and Kyle O'Reilly wasn't already destined for, you know, we think he's destined for, you know, main event things, I could get into this as sort of like a mid-card feud, but Oni Lorcan's still attached to Pete Dunne and that whole group, and Kyle O'Reilly's got other things on his mind. So you got to believe that this match isn't a priority for either character. And I know that that's me nitpicking to the nth degree, It's but it's also me saying... I know how good these guys are. I wish I was more into this match than I was. Um, corner forearms and a side headlock by Kyle, a back elbow by Lorcan, and a shot to the back, hanging hanging armbar by Kyle, but Dunn tries to distract on the outside. Everybody gets knocked to the outside as we go to commercial break. Lorcan splashes the back as we come back from commercial break. There's chops. Both men trade shots. High knee by Kyle. A series of strikes. There's a lot of high knees on the show tonight. Maybe uh, maybe somebody's going to pull off a falcon arrow. Who knows? I mean, nobody does a falcon arrow better than... Mandy Rose. Uh, arm stunner and a heel hook by Kyle. Guillotine by Kyle and uh, knee strike and a brain buster. Top rope knee to the back of the head, the same as he did to Adam Cole at the pay-per-view. And Kyle gets the obvious win. Instantly, 
there's a two-on-one beatdown by uh, by Lorcan and Dunn, and the save is made by Bobby Fish. Now, the save being made by Bobby Fish was obvious, because we've all been saying forever, when is Bobby Fish coming back? When is Bobby Fish coming back? When is Bobby Fish coming back? Now, here again is where I'm going to say that him making the save isn't that surprising. Him making the save and she because they have to even up the sides to end the segment. It has to be two-on-two, two, and the heels have to show that when it's two-on-two, two, they fuck off, because apparently heels are all cowards. But they could have gone two ways with this here, and both of them would have been cliche, and they didn't really do either. They could have just said, well, Fish is back. I guess Kyle O'Reilly's a tag team guy again, so Redragon or whatever they were on the indie scene are going to go back and get into the tag title picture, which would have been fantastic. Red Dragon, or, or I believe they were known as Red Dragon, somebody from the ROH side of things, correct me if I'm wrong, but those two taking on MSK, or those two taking on Legato Del Fantasma, or those two even taking on Brazil. Zango, or somebody like that, would be great. It would be a great addition to that, but Kyle O'Reilly's already touched that main event that main event scene, so I don't know how that works. The other example could be that Fish comes in and clears the ring. We think he's saving his friend, but then he attacks his friend and says, well, no, I, I'm still loyal to Adam Cole. And that didn't happen either, which was great. They had, a, they had an off-mic conversation in the ring, and Kyle basically saying, like, hey man, look, I get it, but you've been watching the show, a lot of things have changed, I'm kind of doing my own thing now. And Bobby Fish says, well, yeah, I, I figured I was going to come back and, and do my own thing too. He points up the ramp at the two heels that are still scampering up the ramp. He says, yeah, I got some unfinished business to take care of. And they just, I, they didn't fit into either of the cliches. As I say, there's no other way I can really say it. They didn't do the, okay, you're back, we're immediately a team again. And they didn't do the, okay, we're back, but I'm going to turn on you even though I've been back for five seconds. They didn't do that either. They did this really cool, natural, human, just sort of two ships passing in the night thing. And I, the simplicity of that and the almost nothingness of that is more cool than if they had decided to go in any particular direction. Please tell me I'm not on an island with this. Please tell me that I'm not the only person that thinks these guys just acting as human beings and not having to immediately slot into one of those two cookie-cutter storylines is a big deal. Because NXT is NXT, but NXT is still a WWE product. And the idea that people will eventually slot back into those, either I'm back to be your partner or I'm here to turn on my partner... The, the idea that they would fit into one of those two is, is almost to be expected at this point. And the fact that they didn't is great. It's the it's the feeling you get immediately when the show doesn't start with a 5, 10, 15, 20 minute promo because you know it's still deep down in its bones as much as we don't want to admit it. It is a WWE product. The little things, hey, give me something a little different than I expected. Give me something nice. Give me something human. As I say, I'm going to use the cliche one more time, just two friendly ships passing in the night and everybody gets on with their own business is fucking fantastic. This is honest to God one of the coolest moments of the night and I think it took like 20 seconds and that's awesome everybody that thinks I'm on crack put it down in the comment section below at least there'll be some comments in my comment section we see an animated superhero style video documenting uh, the women of the way winning the women's tag team championships last week it was cool it's in keeping with uh, with the way and with how they see themselves or whatever it's really good and then you got Bronson Reed screaming down the camera lens uh, at Gargano, oh, you, you've gone and pissed me off now, I've just talked to William Regal, and our title match next week is gonna be in a steel cage, and I was just like, fucking yes, fucking yes, and I'm gonna go early prediction here, I know I don't predict the weekly shows, 
Bronson Reed wins next week because there's too many people at this point that are lining up that are potential heel challengers for that championship to keep that championship on a babyface. Right now, you've got Isaiah Swerve Scott that could fight for that title. You've got LA Knight that could fight for that title. You've got Cameron Grimes, who in the ring is still fun when he's not doing the DiBiase stuff. Everybody that I can think of right now, because I don't want it to be Leon Ruff again. I mean, even if you want to elevate somebody like an Oni Lorcan, he's the heel. You have to... You have to put that title on a babyface eventually uh, to run the gambit of the heel mid-card. Because what else are the heel mid-card going to do unless they're, unless they're in a tag team? I also, put that aside for a second, I still think that Bronson Reed himself deserves some elevation. And he's been really good. And I want to see him hold that title. He's eventually going to drop it to a heel, which is fine. I want to see him hold that title and elevate himself. And as you guys all know, I've been saying it for weeks. I've been saying it since before Stand and Deliver. If you're going to put tag team championships on Candice LeRae and I was going to say Io Shirai. No, Indy Hartwell. There we go. Then you put the other tag team titles on Gargano and yes, on Austin Theory cry about it, just don't leave it in my comment. Actually, do leave it in my comment section, because it'll still help. Okay. Now let's talk about the main event. Let's talk about another title that deserves to be in the main event. If you weren't going to put one title in the main event, you knew it was going to be the other one. It's Santos Escobar getting his rematch with Kushida in a two out of three falls match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Escobar just mauls absolutely mauls Kushida to start the match and immediately Phantasma try to jump in and get the, get their licks in but following the story from earlier in the night because we're pulling all the threads and we're getting everything new, hello long-term booking yes I'm making fun of Michael Sidgwick when I say that it's fine um, immediately MSK come out come out to take out Wild and uh, and Mendoza which is fine because then you've got the heel as I've been saying all night with Pete Dunne, as I've been saying all night with Raquel Gonzalez, you do have, in this match, again, the heel showing all the cool, awesome heel stuff that he can do on his own, except this time, the on his own has been imposed on him by somebody else. Diversity in the storyline is fucking fantastic, and a senton from the top of the ring post to the outside by Kushida sends us into the commercial break as... Say it with me, NXT rolls on. Oh, yes. Both men trade punches as we come back from the commercial break. There's a modified surfboard. <coughs> Sorry. Modified surfboard by Escobar. Corner chops by Escobar. A press slam across into the turnbuckle. Sorry, into the turnbuckle. Lifts him up, does the press slam, drops him backwards onto the turnbuckle instead of onto the floor. There we go. Uh, corner chops by Escobar. Uh... Boston Crab on the steps like he did a couple weeks ago, except he's, he rotates him throat first into the post, which is nice. Mexican surfboard stretch when they get back into the ring, transitions into a crossface. Both men trade some forearms. There's double knees by Escobar, a corner chop by Escobar, and a mounted 10 punch. Oh, yes. Uh, top rope Brana, Kushida reverses the top rope Brana in, into a near fall, and you could see Escobar selling it on his face, which is awesome. Handspring back elbow by Kushida, like Tajiri style, which was nice. Uh, hip toss and a drop kick, and a phantom driver, and the first fall goes to Escobar, and they're about to send it to commercial break. Escobar hits double knees and Kushida locks in a cross arm breaker, and the people on commentary are shouting at the truck to not go to commercial break. I want to believe that that's real. It's probably not. It's probably not, but it was still pretty cool. 
Hey, you know, this match is going to carry on. No, 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 wait, truck, truck, stay, because he's going to do the, and he did. He tapped out to the armbar. So within a couple of seconds, I'd say maybe 20 seconds, you got the first two falls of the match, and they're tied up at one apiece because, of course, they are because it's a triple threat match. Two out of three falls, not a triple threat match. Don't listen to me. I don't make any sense. Uh, Kushida with a Kimura on the outside and tosses uh, Escobar into the plexi once again. Hangman over the top rope by Escobar. Suicide dive. Head scissor brain buster thing by Kushida. He, it started out as a, as a head scissor and it looked like he shifted the wrong way. And the way Escobar came down, it was more of a brain buster. But with the legs, I don't know. Head scissor brain buster thing. I'm tired. We're almost through. We're almost through. Knee strike off the top by Kushida. Armbar driver on the floor. Uh, leg lariat by Escobar and a long pinning reversal sequence to follow. A double clothesline, a top rope slam, hoverboard lock thing by Kushida. Vertical toss suplex in the corner. And then he beats him after doing all the work on the back, after doing all the work on his arm. He beats him with a bridging hammerlock suplex. Yes, he does. It's good. Kushida gets the first fall. Or, sorry, Kushida gets the last fall, I should say. Kushida gets the win. Kushida is still your Cruiserweight Champion. And you know what? If I told you that there was a show, and there was two title matches announced on that show, and both the champions retained in relatively clean fashion, you might think of that as boring. But think about all the information we were given tonight. Two title matches. And a bunch of matches that have been announced for, for later on down the line. We got the return of Bobby Fish. Which is, which is great. We got, um, well, what do we have next week? Next week we have the, um, the Stark versus Storm match. Next week we have a cage match for the North American Championship between Johnny Gargano and Bronson Reed. The week after that we have not only the debut of Frankie Monet, but the televised rematch of Karrion Cross and Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. Now... All kinds of things are going to come out of that. We've got the... Oh, I never said what they were uh, called, because I can't think of it now. I can't think of it now. I can't think of the name of fr friggin' Swerve's group. I can't. Um, it's fine. We saw Swerve's group, and they, they made a really good presentation of themselves. I'm an idiot, and I can't remember the name. It's fine. Um, but yeah, there's a lot. Like, there's a lot, a lot. We got a North American Championship to look forward to. It's in a cage. We haven't seen a cage in a little bit. That's fine. Uh, as I say, NXT Championship match. Look at the guys involved. Cross and Balor. That's great. Uh, Stark and Storm are out there proving after tonight when we saw the main event women fighting. Next week, we got the mid-card women fighting, and that's fine. We still put a decent amount of focus on our new women's tag team champions. Uh, Cruiserweight Championship looked really good tonight. We got stuff moving forward. But we got Bobby Fish. Who's going to do some stuff? It's all good. We got the announcement of, of why can't I think, In Your House. We're getting another In Your House, which is great. We've got the rumors circulating about SummerSlam, which has nothing to do with NXT, but if they're going back to Madison Square Garden, it just makes me feel good. Uh, as I say, stay tuned. The end of this week, I should have something that uh, Jake and I are going to cook up for you guys. But if not, I will be back here next week, and we will talk more NXT when I'm not so out of breath, when I'm not so tired, and when I am desperate to say that I am Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys.